0: very warm welcome today to everybody joining us where with our guests we'll be looking at the dual relationships of the coach manager and exploring the boundaries between being a manager and being a coach my name is Gina Lodge the CEO of the Academy of Executive Coaching and I'm delighted to introduce today our two guests David McLaughlin and Hi. Catherine Tulpa.
1: Hello, Gina. Hello,
0: everyone. So a little bit about the companies you work for and your, yourselves, of course. So David, you're coming today from the Chartered Management Institute. The CMI have been around for over 70 years. It's the chartered body of management leadership, and it's worked with business and education to inspire people to become skilled, confident, and successful managers and leaders. So, David, about you yourself, you are a Chartered Management Consultant Assessor. You're a professional experienced leadership management and personal development coach who loves to help individuals and teams develop and achieve their full potential. Now, so Catherine, um, CEO of the Association for Coaching, AC. The Association for Coaching was established in 2002 and is a leading independent and not-for-profit professional body dedicated to promoting best practice and raising awareness and standards of coaching worldwide. And about yourself, Catherine, you are CEO and co-founder of the Association for Coaching. As an accredited global coach, uh, you run a successful board-level coaching business, Wisdom 8, specialising in coaching CEOs, executives and top teams. So we have two quite heavyweight people here on the podcast today. So, Big welcome to you and thank you for joining us today for this uh, discussion. Okay, well, now um, we've set the scene here. So this this made me really think there was some research by CMI, David, which I'm sure you've heard. But CMI found that 80% of workers do not think that their manager sets a good moral example
2: Yes, and I, this is quite shocking, isn't it? And I think it's um, I think it's part of our wider mission that encompasses uh, the idea of, of getting better managers, actually. And I think what we see a lot are what we call accidental managers, um, people that are, are technicians or just very good at their job. You know, they, they're doing a super job somewhere in an organisation and suddenly they find themselves promoted into a position of manager and often without any training, without any development, just, you know, you were doing a really good job, we'll give you more money, Here's it. now you're managing this team. And I think that becomes really difficult for people without that development, that they get lost in the weeds, if you like. And it's easy to blur the lines between now I'm a senior technician or a senior specialist to be now I'm the manager. And, you know, my job is no longer about the product or the thing. My job now is about, is about managing people and facilitating their success. And, Facilitating the work of the team to meet the objectives of the organisation, and I think people get lost in that in, in the kind of the kind of moral picture they provide of people. And I think when you add into that, I don't know what you'd say, Catherine, but when you add into that the fact that people often struggle to make the differentiation between being a friend and a colleague and a peer, and growing up in an organisation in an organisation with someone, to suddenly a position of having to manage that person's work, performance, manage them to the uh, 360s, the, the annual reviews, everything else that has to be done. I think people can get lost. And I think that's why we see so high such high levels of, of not setting a good moral judgment, because I think people are just lost, actually. And then again, you overlay that with the pressures of time. You overlay that with the pressures of production and um, meeting objectives and, and meeting achievements. And it just becomes far too easy for people to lose sight of what it is they should be doing. Uh, example they should be setting and get tied up in, in in all the other things that are part and parcel of that of which they've had their development for what what, what do you say Catherine?
1: yeah i, I agree with the, really what you've said there and there's an add to that and i think there's also something now in the times we're in this is even pre-covid i think we look over the last three four five years you know internationally even I think uh, there's much greater levels of awareness now in the workforce. You know, if you look at, you know, the maturity, more maturity now in a number of the talent programs and the way they're bringing in more development than maybe, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And that, in a way, which is, which is all a good thing, it's about this element of you taking responsibility for your career and you, you know, making some choices that are more suitable for you and the, and the organization's responsibility to support that. You know, it's, it's both, isn't it? I think there's, I don't know if it's higher expectations. There's a sense to me, it's a question mark, are there higher expectations than 20 years ago? But I think there's certainly more of an invitation now to people, you know, in these surveys, in these post studies, in the research, more than ever, to, to really ask the questions, what do you need from your manager? What do you want from your workforce? So I think there could be something there as well.
2: I would agree. And I think there's, there's also something in there that talks to why people work. And I think you know, if I go back to when I first started work, it was you—you you were after work because you were, needed the money, you needed a job, and, and to a certain extent, you know, you were—you were, had those aspirations. You perhaps wanted to get married or engaged or buy a house or a car or whatever it might be. But I think there was there was also alongside that a sense of almost gratitude for the job. And I think because of that, we were willing to put up with with more. That the nowadays generation and people rightly now shouldn't put up with and we should never put up with it but I think the expectation always was especially in lower qualified jobs perhaps that you know if you don't do this somebody else will if you don't do as I say then I bark at you uh, and if you don't respect my authority then somebody else will and you can go and, and you know don't let the door hit you on the way out and I think that has changed and what I'm seeing in the workforce now and especially with the younger people coming through is that you know you're lucky to have me yes no, I am lucky to have this job but in a sense you're lucky to have me I could go anywhere I've got my degree you know I've got options I'm not under pressure because I'm not leaving home at 18 to, to, to get married or whatever it might be the expectations there that I will be in the family home longer and we'll we'll have that support from the family are greater so I think people have more choices which gives them more of a sense of, well, you know, I choose to be here. You need to make this as comfortable as possible for me um, because it's a joint relationship. And we're, we're both benefiting from this, not kind of it's, it's less transactional, I think, than it used to be. Yes.
1: And it's going back to you again. It's not just a generational thing, but there's been, you know, a lot of the research has been around more the generational studies with the millennials and such you know, this whole um, need for greater meaning and purpose in the workplace, you know, I, I think it happens at all levels. And I think, especially now, during the times we're in at the moment, at all levels at all generations, but even before all this, they are now, as you said, they're, they're looking, um, and we want to ensure they're going to be working for the right organization that's aligned to their values. Um, so it's, it is, it's, it's in that same bucket as the meaning and purpose side, I think also you were alluding to, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So,
0: in terms of, of ethics and being a manager, then, you know, it is a dual relationship. So you're you're as a manager, you're trying to manage people. So you've ha- you've got goals, haven't you? They're being set uh, that you've got to meet targets and do all of the things that a manager's always traditionally been expected to do, as you say. But now we're we're expecting people to be a coach as well, or are we? So we're expecting them to have a coaching style, perhaps we should say. So how ethical do we think is managerial coaching, the manager and coach relationship? How ethical is that?
2: I think I think for me, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said about coaching style. And I think there's a difference here between a more formalised contracted coaching relationship, which is, is very different from a managerial relationship with a coaching style. And i think for me personally it's it's the the adoption of a coaching style that allows me to get the most out of people because i think it very much is that that you're right when you say ethics but i think it's very much about that relationship as well for me it's how can i help you to succeed because if you succeed i succeed so there's an ethical buy-off there um and it's a joint relationship it's back to that old thing isn't you know nobody wins unless everybody wins and, and I really believe that that's true. It's, it sounds a bit cheesy and a bit trite sometimes, but I, I really believe that that's true. Because, and, and I guess that comes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, my job is no longer technical specialist. My, my job is no longer, um, I, I don't produce things. I'm not a teacher in the classroom. I'm not a technician, whatever it might be. My job now is to, is to help my team succeed. So it is that, you know, what do you need from me in order that you succeed? And if we do that and we have that relationship and we're open and we're transparent about it, there are certain expectations around that as we would perhaps with a a contracted coaching relationship. You know, We're going to work together in a certain way. We're going to challenge uh, difficulties in a certain way. We're going to challenge each other in in a certain way and have that respectful pushback which you would get with a coaching relationship. But I think that, that just feels right and it feels like the imperative really because the days of of, of saying you know i'm i'm in charge you don't do as i do do as i say are gone you know nobody's going to do that, as, as we mentioned earlier so i think it is how do you get the best out of people and for me that feels like a coaching approach is right but there do have to be boundaries and i think you know we're not it's not that contractual relationship there is an element of confidentiality obviously but there are things around disclosure for example that, that would be difficult to deal with and I think it's important not to get too it sounds terrible but not to get too chummy not to get We can be respectfully friendly respectfully professional um, but I think there are there are boundaries that we have to be careful not to overstep when we do this because we can change those expectations of the relationship between us
0: Yes, I think that's absolutely right. And and that's one of the big dilemmas, isn't it? How can a manager and your direct report, can you be friends? There is a change in behaviour, I think, that we've probably all witnessed when you move from not being a manager to a manager and you suddenly realise that that there is a different perception of of someone that's a manager. And how do you behave? You know, friendly? Yes, of course. but, But there are... Sort of some silent boundaries there aren't there I think it's something you learn as you go along and I wonder if we were all in starting out now in you know our first companies I wonder let's say that your, your first post as a manager I wonder what support we would be looking for
1: yeah I, I love to build on that because you Gina you you, you know you'd, you'd rightly said expe- expected to be a coach and 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 with that in parallel, I would say it's it's many many talking about the emerging generation. They're demanding a coaching style. So you said expected. I'm using the word demanding, and we're well. You know, there's been research around that. I'm actually thinking of a very large multi generational study by Mrg Mrg.com. They do psychometrics and such, and they had uh, a uh, large data, data points of norm data around the different generational needs in the workforce in terms of um, age, but also in terms of the way they like to be led, the styles, the way they communicate and so forth. And uh, what was very interesting, not surprising I had to say, but what was very interesting because is that the, the kind of the millennials especially um, we're saying the leadership style they wanted most from their managers was a coaching style. So, yes, and I, and I am and I think I like the word, you know, the style, David, you mentioned. Uh, so they they that, that's the wider aspect. Yeah. So and we can talk about that. But this is this isn't just about career conversations. That's that, of course, that's part of it. You know, they wanted they wanted a coach. They wanted a manager that would be more of a coach in terms of really um, challenging them, stretching them. really developing them about the developing the thinking then drawing out their thinking you know so many of the aspects and qualities around um coaching in terms of some of those are skills you know in terms of the being a better listener being a better listener as a manager um they that's a coaching style you could argue is it's also a good leadership style but what they also wanted is uh, you know, part of coaching is also observational feedback. You know, if you have permission, as you know, as you all know, is around with permission, you could give in a trusted, confidential way, some observational feedback in ways that, they're, that that's working well and ways they can improve. So some of this feedback was coming where they wanted more ongoing dialogue around themselves, around their growth. And they wanted, they wanted their, their managers to be great coaches to them. It's a really interesting, David. Uh, you know, having the view about not getting too close. I guess I see that, and there's a side of me too. It, it does depend on who that individual is, and also maybe what your style is as a as a coach, as a coach leader, as a coach manager. One of the things, Gina, is you're, you're aware of, and uh, that we are launching the Association for Coaching. We're launching our leader coach accreditation scheme this year, 2021, which we're very excited about, we've been doing a pilot in Asia pack and we've had a number of manager coach go through this accreditation process and we've been getting really, really fantastic feedback. Now, this is, this is a level beyond coaching style. We can come back to that. For those interested in going down this path, this is for a manager coach. So taking a coaching style, then coaching their line and their um, people that uh, report to them but it also means could be coaching sideways and upwards. So this is really a set of capabilities. There's codes of ethics and good practices. There's demonstrating that you have the skills of coaching. It's demonstrating that you are applying a coach approach in your role. doesn't mean all the time. That's impossible, isn't it? As a manager, I mean, Many of us have different roles. I mean, I can't always be a hundred percent coach. I mean, Gina, you must feel the same, right? In your role, absolutely. Uh, and David as well. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It, it, it's. I think that's one of the misnomers about this that you, you are a coach all the time. Yeah. And and I think David, as you quite rightly picked up on what I said about having a coaching skill skill set is very different from saying, "I am a coach." I think that's not what we're saying, and that that sometimes gets confused in organisations, doesn't it? And I think, Catherine, the leader-coach accreditation scheme is much needed now. We're asking leaders and managers to wear the two hats. Those those are skills that they need to learn, everybody needs to learn, and particularly the young people coming into organisations now. Interesting, because the accreditation's great step forward and i think hopefully it will influence companies to, to to make that change and to actually put some sort of commitment behind the training side the equipping those new leaders new managers or even existing leaders and managers because like anything else you can't just expect people to display the skills when they've had no training no advice no mentoring so how do you see that developing?
1: I'll start, and David, great to get your your bounces from that. I think, you know, as coaches, we know the importance around looking after ourselves. You know, if you look at the code of ethics, any of the code of ethics with any of the bodies, and this is also in leader coach, you know, if you want to go for a leader coach accreditation at the AC is you know, you are fit for practice. I think the point being is, as we know in any of the training, I mean, with the Academy Executive Coaching, you know, so much of being a good coach is you work on yourself. All the training I've done over the years in the different coaching, half of it is you're working on yourself. So I think there's an element here of of a coaching mindset. What does that look like for a manager? Because there's the unwritten parts of coaching, which is you might not see it. You know, a coaching mindset is, well, firstly, um, how am I showing up? And am I am, am I present? Because you need to be present to be present with the person in front of you. Do I really believe that this person can grow? Now, this is might not be said, but if, if I, you know, any manager, if they have someone who's working for them, who doesn't believe that they can grow, or they might can come up with their own solutions, you might need to facilitate and, and be their thinking partner at times. But you actually need to believe in your people. And just like a coach, even a professional coach needs to believe in their coachee, the person they're working with. If you don't think you can support them or you have some noise, then you're not really being a coach to them. That's not a coaching mindset. Everyone will have, there's various schools of coaching and and this is what's exciting about as we grow. You don't just have to have one formula here. You know, you can have Whatever your coaching philosophy is, there are under, under, under you know, underlying, I think we'd all agree to as, as a coaching style. But I think that's what's exciting about this, Gina, going back to your question, is, you know, this is an opportunity for people to, in the context of their roles, in the context of the people they're working with, have an opportunity to get trained up more and have that reflective practice. So again, I think, what could this look like? I think more peer supervision groups, perhaps buddies, buddy coaches um, who are have the serious intent of being a better leader coach or a style of coaching. Um, so I think those are some of the things I wanted to throw into the mix.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely fantastic. And I think, you know, what you're saying is, it, you know, coaching is a mindset and, and definitely at the AOEC, I mean, our training is based on who am I? Because if you don't know who you are, how could you possibly support the growth of anybody else? And and it sounds such a simple philosophy when you say it, but you know there's a lot of work that's involved in getting this. So David, what what, what do you think in in terms of your experience? I think I would
2: agree with them. I would agree with, um, would agree with Catherine. I, I think there are some. I think for me, there are some other issues in the workplace as well. And I think you know, part of that coach, manager, training is about recognizing. That there's that not one approach fits everybody so you are sometimes a coach and sometimes a manager and i guess i'm thinking here about both individuals in terms of people perhaps towards the end of their career in certain roles who are saying you know i don't i'm not interested in growth i'm not interested in developing i've got 18 months to go you get paid the big money you tell me what to do and i'll do it i'll do it the best of my ability i'll do it the best in the, in the whole organization but that's all I want to do. I just want to count that down and slide out the door. And I think we have to recognise that with people. And I think there are people that it's about recognising when people aren't ready to be coached as well. Picking up on your point, Catherine, you know, we, we need to turn up and be present, but our coaches need to turn up and be present as well and play a role in that. And I think that's important to recognise that not everybody is as yet in that space where they need to be in to, that we can get the best out of them. And I think alongside that, there's there's something about situational leadership as well and knowing when to apply a coaching approach and when to apply, shall we say, a more um, dictatorial or hierarchical approach. You know, sometimes it is I've I've worked with the police, for example, and sometimes it's just about, you know, we can have a hug and a cup of tea and we can all go back for medals later. Just now, I need you to do this. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to argue about it. I just need you to do this. Then there's a time after that for coaching and say, you know, getting people to a point where they understand why they were resistant to that. From, from my point of view, how we get them to a point where we can, where they they are happy to do that without being challenged, perhaps. But I think it is about that situational element. I think if we're if we're if we're training coach managers, there needs to be that element in there as well. I think. I mean, what what do you think of that, Catherine? Is that is that sort of reflect your experience?
1: I. I, obviously, I have a huge bias towards coaching, so that's self-declared. I guess the question is it, I agree with you, I agree with you, situational and contextual, right? Contextual is really important, appropriateness, timing, but also in terms of the conversations. What head are you playing, right? As that manager coach, you know, what head are you playing? And, and sometimes there's maybe it is a bit gray around that. I think there you know there are elements around the ethics around that. you know, in coaching terms as professionals, you know, the contracting. So I think it's what would probably in layman's term, I think what we're saying here is having a conversation with, with the person, if you're a manager that you're coaching about what that, you know, what is in bounds, what it's out of bounds, right? And it is a little bit some of those boundaries as much as possible. For instance, if it, and also depends on the context. I'll give you an example. So, if it's a company that's you know that is fairly evolved on the talent side, and they view it's important for um, a manager or an employee to um, always be thinking about their career and what is the most the best fit for their roles, uh, what's actually best fit for for them in terms of their values and 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 where they're at at any point in their career. And a manager, as we know, is a pivotal part. I mean, that's who they see the most many times, to to helping in that those discussions. And I think where I really admire companies that says, listen, it's important for, you, for us to have these conversations of what 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 it could look like for you in the future, here or elsewhere, and having a very open dialogue in a very open way. So the, the context, the, the psychological safety in that organization is allowing you to have those free conversations around what you want, what the employee wants with, around their development and, and their roles. And, and I think when you have that kind of context, then a manager coach can, can feel more free in that way, right? Um, if it's something where it's maybe not that kind of environment, then it sounds like it needs to be more, maybe a little bit more safe, you know, a little bit more boundary about that, you know? you know. But I think the point here, there's a lot written and mentioned about psychological safety. We do know, because it's a very trusted space, whatever those, those agreed terms are in, in when you're in that kind of coaching discussion, as opposed to the manager discussion, I think that needs to be discussed of what, what's in bounds, what's out of bounds. And it is really worth the dialogue um, so I don't know what view how you feel about that.
2: Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think that, that those those inbounds and outbounds are really important to establish early on. And I think um, without those, it could become it can become potentially difficult later on, yeah. unintentionally difficult. Yeah. But I think it's, um, it's it's very important to be aware of that.
1: Yeah, and Gina, with your within the academy of executive coaching, do you have a view on that? Because I'm sure you do. Yes, and I think I think.
0: This goes back to in the context that we're we're talking about now, it's a a style of contracting. So we're talking about a style of coaching, we're not talking about the manager or leader as a coach. So I think, yes, absolutely, it's important to have a style of contracting in the way you've just described, very eloquently. So if you're a manager or a leader, and you have direct reports, and you don't make, you don't give the clarity about the relationship between the two of you, well, how can you expect somebody to understand what's expected of them. So if you don't have that conversation at the beginning, and it, and, and I think in, in my, my opinion, it needs reinforcing, you don't do it once, you know, you do check in and how are things going, of course, and it, and it progresses. But it's surprising how many times we hear that that doesn't happen. So I think it's really important to have a form of contracting to say this is, there will be times when I have confidential information that I can't share with you. So I'm that's not because I don't trust you. It's because there's certain governance that prohibits me from doing that. That That's perfectly re- reasonable. It's not a barrier. But sometimes just saying these things out loud, you know, it's, it's, it's a form of contracting, this is what we can do. This is how we can work together. And it's, as you said earlier, David, it's, it's about, you know, level playing field. It's about this is this is what I can do and this is what I need of you. But what do you need of me? And this is what I can commit to. So just having that, it's its its having that conversation with your direct reports is, is a coaching style to me and it's essential.
1: I'll give you, it's a really practical example. Of, again, the contracting, I was with the manager coach. Who um, did have an agreement with the, his coachee, and, uh, who worked for him, and it was a career conversation. So the the coachee, the, the who he worked for him, is, um, they're talking about how mobile this individual was. How, would they travel? Would they leave? In this case, the UK. So in the coaching conversation, because it was a very, it's a very strong relationship, he said at this point, "I am not mobile." But what he did say is when it comes to discussing on the c- 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 talent, succession planning, I don't want that known. So hold that hold that space. And, and, and this, this person I know, he has done that. So that's just an example of something very practical about what is out of bounds, what's in bounds.
0: It's really good to hear those examples again. And I think that's a huge strength when you're describing this relationship and having the examples that say, well you've probably come across something like this or this is an example of that so I think that can be very helpful when you're sort of trying to clarify this relationship as well we we talked about briefly can managers and their direct reports be friends whether it whether there's a, um, a coaching relationship or not I don't know what you think about that
2: no I I'd I agree I, I think I think being friends is is challenging in a lot of ways and I think you know the the basis issue you can be friends at work but you may one day have to lay that person off you may one day have to challenge them about their performance you may one day have to uh, deal with a lateness issue or you know somebody turning up hungover or whatever it might be and and, uh, as I say this very basis I'm talking about base issues here but I think there's a for me the challenge is how if you're a manager and you see this in a lot of new managers and young managers particularly team leaders um you know where they're out in the pub with the team and someone turns up drunk the next day or somebody turns up late and hungover how do you deal with that how do you cross that boundary from being with them the night before drinking and having fun and maybe joking inappropriately and you know with uh, that horrible phrase banter um how do you then deal with that the next day in an appropriate way that that maintains those work boundaries and I think that's very different to having a professional I'm going to say friendly although friendly is not the right word but a, a professional respectful relationship where you have you respect each other you know it is friendly you're not argumentative all the time but there are certain boundaries in place whether they're spoken or unspoken and I don't think that is a difference for me there's no difference with that with a coach or with a non-coach manager I think it's the same for you. No, I don't know what you think uh, Catherine
1: Yeah, I guess, I I guess it goes back to how are you defining, I agree with your point about those boundaries and that those work boundaries, and that that what's going through my mind is depending on how you're defining friendship. If you're talking about the qualities of friendship, which is compassion, care, support, maybe healthy challenge, right? Healthy challenge, a good friend who you trust, who can really tell it like it is, um, you know, those qualities i think is is what makes you know we do know over and over so many studies and these coaching studies that the power of the coaching the outcome of a coaching is it is really important to have those a good strong trusted safe relationship with the person right so whether it's a manager coach you you do know as a manager coach you do need you know you do need to have a an interest in people and but also care and I and I am seeing care come in now in value statements in business especially with this pandemic um, era we're in right now. If, so, I guess it's a long way of saying is I would hope and and I would think to be a really good manager and a manager coach what you want to be doing, if anything, you want to continue to develop your care and your compassion. It doesn't always have to mean soft. I mean, it can be can be tough love in a supportive way, in a coaching way, right? In a challenge, you can, you can ask a question that could be quite challenging, um, that puts responsibility on that individual and if, if it makes, if it helps them, then that's going to help them grow and stretch. So um, I guess it all depends on what you know. What kind of everyone have, probably has different definitions of what they want in a friend as well. So I guess it's it's. It, but I know we're trying to trying to break it down. But I I agree with you about the boundaries. But I guess there's something here coming in to me around, especially the emerging generations coming in. They're already in the workforce, um, in leadership roles. You know, they there are less boundaries as we know between work-life, and then now with this, this, the pandemic, you know, everyone, the work-life is there, we're in it. So, I guess the question is, what's emerging for me? What is emerging? What does that mean?
2: I get, I, I just want to pick up on that, because I guess that's, re- I agree with everything you're saying, and something that just occurs to me as you're saying, it, in terms of emerging uh, and new ways of working, I mean, where do we stand on on social media, for example? You know, should we, as managers and leaders, be connecting with people on social media and, and if we do is, is one form of social media more appropriate than the other i mean you know we can take linkedin for example can't we which is probably and i'm going to go out on a name here probably the least interesting form of social media that we have through to do we share our our, our family photos on on facebook and instagram and are, are we on twitter with with our with our um teams and with our, with the people that work for us is that appropriate? You know, it, it, all these questions come up, I think, as, as we have emerging technologies as well as emerging management styles and, and different expectations from the people that we're, that we're managing and coaching. Yeah,
1: really good point. And I'm sure people have different answers on that. And when you actually just rose that, I, I had a quite instant one to say, you know, I wouldn't be on, you know, I wouldn't be on Facebook with, with on that. But I guess that's it's without knowing the whole circumstances. But I think I think that goes back to me going back to John Whitmore's about this is an element here with with coaching is about choice. So I think that is an element here. There's the choice of that individual. And then in the dialogue, I mean, maybe that's an invitation, the dialogue, um, having the dialogue with them or what would be what would make them, the relationship feel safe, what would make um, each other feel comfortable. Then you've got a lot of complexities like the organizational, you know, um, layers on there in terms of their views on this. So that's, you know, we're just looking and isolating for a more coaching style. But as we, you know, we keep alluding to, they, they have so many roles you play, you know, a manager has so many roles they have to play in which they're measured on. So it does get, you know, fairly complex.
0: So we're coming to the end of our conversation today, just before we close. What are your last thoughts on what managers and coaches need in their dual roles?
1: David, what's, what, what's, what, what's emerging for you now, right now? What do you think is an important thing for you to say or for us to say?
2: I think in, in terms of something, I think it is about, I think it's largely about training and supervision. I think part of that training is about, you know, we talk about safe space in which to coach. Yeah. But I think it's about a safe space for coaches to be able to offload. I think there are there's something in the training as well for me about disclosure and handling disclosure. I think you know that's a big thing. If we we've set up this safe space and that's exactly what we want, uh, and then someone comes in and discloses something to us that we need to deal with that that may be a legal issue, maybe potentially a criminal issue maybe a uh, just an infringement of policies at work how do we how are we going to deal with that if we i guess if we haven't set that up clearly at the start we haven't said to people you know this is a safe space however if you disclose something to me that i need to deal with i will deal with it and that's easy to do but it's also easy to forget isn't it so i think there's, there's something in there about that it's about training for managers i don't think we should ever put people in a position of management and i would say this wouldn't i I don't think we should ever put somebody in a position of management without giving them training and ongoing support and development. Yes. Because it is a very different job. And for me, as a professional manager, I think it is a profession and we should treat it as such and, and not just drop people into it. Mm-hmm. You know, we wouldn't say to somebody, well, you're, you're good at talking. So you yeah. are, we're going to drop you into the psychology role tomorrow. Uh, we, we wouldn't do it yet. Yeah, we, we, we feel that we can do it with managers. And I think that that's, that's not right. So I would say lots more training, supervising, of uh, managers giving them a safe place to offload to talk about what's happening for them as well and have a coaching running through the whole organization so that there's an open clear honest authentic dialogue running through an organization but that's an aspirational goal for the next decade i don't think we're there uh, across the piece yeah i think we're there in 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 certain places and i think there's really good examples of that but i've worked with organizations where still you know in the last five or six years coaching is seen as a last resort. We've, we've performance managed. We've, we've argued, we've had fights with you. We can't get rid of you till we've offered some support. So we'll get a coaching. We'll give you five days of coaching, you know, half a day for 10, uh, over 10 days. Um, and if that doesn't work, you're you out. still
1: seeing that.
2: Yeah. Well, I was, wow. I was four, five <laughs> years ago in a couple of places and it was, it, it you know, it, it was seen as we've tried everything with you now. So that's it. You're out. Nothing worked. And I think, the fear in that organisation then is, oh, so you've got a coach coming in. Well, I might as well start packing. Less and less we're seeing that, but I think in in some industrial sectors it's still seen
1: it in that way. Adding to that, I think there's something definitely about the training. I think there's, I think there's something to be said about that. I mean, certainly, what's offered there. And I, I'm putting it in the bucket of support, you know, so that support with peers, support with, you know, professional bodies, you know, like ours. There's there's, there's resources available, there's, there's webinars. And I also think to bring in the organizational key ambassadors in coaching, we have corporate membership to the ACU and these are coaching ambassadors. Who many of whom are internal coaches with a real mission to build more of a coaching environment, coaching culture, and they want as many, you know, managers, leaders to adopt more of a coaching approach. So I I think probably the point being there's a lot of, there are, there is support in a number of organizations already if they, if they, if they they seek it.
0: that's a really important point that, you know, there are places to go and, you know, all all of the things that are on offer, there, there, are, there are a lot. It's guiding people to where they are. And David, your point, the remedial use of coaching, you know, to put to try and fix something or to use it as a stick rather than what, how it's intended, it's very sad when we hear that that's still in the system. I think it's getting less and less, as, as, as you say, Catherine, now. But, you know, it's still there. So it's still a something that needs to be clarified. So training is important. Supervision are somewhere for the manager to go or the leader to go because it's the old lonely at the top syndrome again really there should be the same philosophy applied to a coaching organization as as to or someone with a coaching style in an organization so really thank you both so much for this just really engaging conversation I do feel as if we could go on for another hour thank you both for joining the debate today and we hope that all the listeners will get a lot out of the conversation and any questions obviously please let us know and we'll try and address those separately thank you very much
2: brilliant thanks guys thanks for having me been really been really enjoyable
1: yes thank you